Welcome to In The Know, the Bourbon Street Shots podcast. We're your hosts, Shemit Dua and Mason Ginsberg, and this is all Pelicans all the time. Welcome to In The Know. We are recording after a very long time. Uh, both of us got caught up with stuff going on in our personal lives, but here we are. Amazing. We have lives, Mason. That's a, that's a thing. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I, I guess. I mean, outside of the Pelicans, do we really have, I don't know, probably not much of one. This is, this is it. Just, just us, like, us trolling people and, and just arguing with people on Twitter. That's pretty much our day job at this point. Yeah, I mean, I, I exclusively get paid to wake up and uh, post screenshots of how many times a player drives per game. So that is the basis <laughs> of my income. Free time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, the organizations have paid me to depress certain players' values. And um, here we are. I am flush with cash. So we're going to go ahead and get started. <laughs> And discuss the Pelicans in their free agency and their summer league and beyond. This this podcast will mostly focus on recapping things that have been going on. Uh, talk about some of the the things that are going on in the media with regards to the perception around the Pelicans, and then we will be posting a separate pod that uh, captures all of your questions that you have asked, including the fun ones. So. I, I thought we were just doing a tribute to Eric Bledsoe on this podcast. Did I get this that wrong? is the perfect time to do it, so we're going to take a moment of silence. Okay, that's enough silence. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I honestly don't even remember the last time we recorded, but the Pelicans made a big old trade. Uh, the Memphis deal got expanded, not as big as I thought it would be, but – got expanded nonetheless they were able to get a nice trade exception okay. out of that that's uh, can i can i uh can i tell the 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 joke facebook story that i sent you the yes the screenshot of um, yes <laughs> i figured i figured i could so like i've been getting these random uh um updates on my newsfeed about uh schmidt uh posting things for sale which i think he posted months ago so i have no i, I have no idea why why it's popping up now maybe you've made updates to it more recently but, but I, I kept getting them so i just literally screenshotted it and sent to schmidt it's like just put it in the memphis trade man put them all put everything in this put everything you're selling <laughs> in a memphis trade <laughs> yeah i was moving out of atlanta and like I don't know, April. <laughs> and so I had things for sale. I should probably go take that stuff down. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so, you know, at one point I almost put all of Twitter into the Memphis trade. <laughs> and, um, but only Devontae Graham ended up into it. And the Pelicans created a $17 million trade exception. I thought that trade was interesting. I think the Devontae Graham deal is interesting. My gut reaction to the Devontae Graham deal was like, oh my God, you gave up a first round pick. And then... Since then, it's come down mainly because the protections of the pick are it's lottery protected and it turns into two seconds. So I'm like, okay, yeah, that was that was like the one caveat. This the second the trade was announced, I was like, all right, well, if it if we find out that it turns into two seconds after one year, like that changes my opinion a little bit of it. But like also, um, I, I think I think some of the contracts we've seen since then um, make me feel a little better about it too. Like I, I think. I think there's at least, uh, I was saying this this morning um, after the Terry Rozier deal became, uh, came out, like, like you can make the argument and I'm, and I'm, I'm still not saying it's a great, great move or a bad move, but you can make the argument that Griff really felt like he was getting strong value for Devonta Graham and there. And there, uh, I mean, if you look at the athletic, um, like what they expected him to get, it was definitely well beyond 12 million. If you look at like uh, Seth Partnow's, um player tiers, like, he put grams in the same tier as, as, as Rozier, for example. So like, there are a lot of arguments to say that, that the Pelicans got a pretty good bargain for, for the Devontae Graham contract. And, and knowing that maybe you're willing to give up a little bit more in the sign and trade doesn't mean you did, you did well negotiation wise, but um, at least like it's a, it's a way to help make it a little bit more palatable giving up a pick. And then of course the pick converting to two seconds pretty quickly. Right. Um, and then in, in, in the meantime, they were unable to, 
maximize the remaining parts of the Memphis deal. You know, they could have added a bunch of more salary, taken on bigger players, used it to, you know, sign a guy like uh, Tim Hardaway or Duncan Robinson and, and, no one wanted their money in free agency. And I'm curious what you think about that. You know, certain reports came out that the Pelicans offered Tim Hardaway significantly more money than he ended up signing for in um, in Dallas. Same thing with Kyle Lowry. And so what do you, what do you make of the Pelicans clearing all of this space and yet not being able to do anything with it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate. Um, at the same time, like, I think we would agree that maybe it's best that they didn't get Lowry for that, that money. Um, but I, I'm not as concerned about the Lowry thing as I am with the Tim Hardaway thing. Like Lowry, he's dude's made a ton of money in his career. He is still making a lot with Miami and he's, he's, you know, gets the lifestyle and gets to go have probably be closer to a title and, and play with his buddy, Jimmy Butler. The, the Tim Hardaway Jr. thing is a Don't forget bit... the, the state income tax for both those people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In my... Well, that, I mean, the Tim Hardaway thing is a little bit different to me. Um, it, you know, if that, the reports are true and they really offered, because how it was, it was a lot more, like, right, for Tim Hardaway. Like, how yeah, many I think they offered him, like, what was it, like, I think, like, 90 million and he signed for, like, 74 or something like that. Like, I think, like, 16, it was, like, a $16 million difference or something like that. Yeah, that's a little more than the state income tax difference. And, and so, like, it's, I'm, I am pretty surprised um, that Hardaway, you know, would prefer to stay in Dallas for that much less money. Um, I don't really know what it says about New Orleans. Um, It's, I mean, it's troubling, um, but I I, I don't know. I have a hard time reading too much into it, but it's, it's, it bothers me. (laughs) It does. Yeah. Yeah. So do you, do you find it bothersome that the Pelicans were naive enough to anticipate this, like, like anticipate trying to get some of these players and, and just, I guess, weren't in tune with reality. That's, that's the worst part of the offseason to me right there. I mean, you nailed it. It's, it's like, it's either not having a good backup plan, thinking that, Oh, we can throw, we'll throw Kyle Lowry as much as we possibly can and we'll outbid people and get him. And then, you know, not having a, I'm not saying they didn't have a plan B. Obviously they're planning for contingencies, but it seems like even their contingencies, they, they maybe were overconfident. And so if your contingency is Tim Hardaway Jr. Then, and you, you offer him six, I mean, like, what are you going to do? You offer him 16 million more than, than, than Dallas did. And you still can't get them. I mean, they, they went through their, their A, B and C and, and, you know, some, and then suddenly you're kind of running out of players. And so they did what they could and, and got, um you know, and, and went and got Devontae Graham and it's, you know, it, it is what it is. I mean, we don't, there could be other players that they offered and either as much or more money to, and they opted to go a different direction. I don't know. Like what's, what, what's your take? Yeah. I mean, it's not like for a lack of trying that you criticize the Pelicans. It was, it was, you know, it's this idea that like, Hey, it's new Orleans. There's a history with, with athletes not coming here. And it's not just new Orleans. Who, who did, Dallas signed with their cap space. Right. Dallas made no moves either. Like their, their roster is pretty much, they, they signed, um, uh, got for the Knicks. Uh, um, that was their one move, right? Um, oh gosh. Uh, Bullock. Bullock. Yeah. That, that's it. That's the guy, the only guy they added, right? Unless I'm missing something. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's it. And then, so, you know, it's like, well, Dallas wasn't able to pull anyone. There's a history of like OKC being unable to pull anyone. There's a history of Portland being unable to pull anyone. There's a history of Cleveland being unable to pull anyone. And so you go down the list with these organizations and it's like, oh, we're New Orleans. Maybe we can make something happen. It's like, well, <laughs> you can't. Um, and, and frankly, you know, if this was a situation where the Pelicans were a top seed last year and and Zion wasn't <laughs> um, the, the thing, you know, the drama surrounding Zion wasn't as public and, and all this other stuff Then maybe, you know, you, you can really talk yourself into believing that, but they were coming off firing two head coaches in, in back-to-back years, you know, training two of their best players in back-to-back years, um, having a disappointing season. And then all of this stink around the team, whether it's, you know, it's JJ spouting off or whether it's Dan Van Gundy and souring the locker room or, or Zion's family being upset, all of that combined just puts you in a position where I, I just don't understand why a free agent, a premier free agent would, would look at this place and be like, yo, this is for me. Um, so, 
Yeah, I, I think it's possible that they got strong feedback from, you know, Larry's camp or whatever, but that feedback was genuinely designed to secure Lowry like, like that third year in, in Miami or whatever his guarantee. I don't know what his full guarantees are, but, you know, basically secure him enough money and, and use the Pelicans and the Mavericks to raise the price on, on his actual destination. Yeah. I mean, I, that's, I, I would imagine that's, that's what um, a lot of players end up using markets like New Orleans for now places they maybe have no intention of going to, but can use them to as leverage and up, up, up the price, um, which is unfortunate, but that's the NBA. Yeah. So in, in lieu of that, I think the Pelicans, while raising the expectations, didn't meet them. I feel like they rebounded nicely enough in the sense that they pivoted to maintaining flexibility. And so flexibility in the form of a trade exception at $17 million, flexibility in the form of tradable contracts, no long-term deals that are, that are unmovable flexibility in, in the sense of, you know, even Devonte Graham's deal, which is barely above the mid-level exception going to be for the next few years. It has unguaranteed money uh, at the end of it. You know, uh, Josh Hart's deal is a complete joke. <laughs> it is, it is the Darius Miller contract on, on crack. And it's something I talked about in the green room. I was like, I cannot wait for you guys to see this deal because it, it's, it's absolutely hilarious. And, and, and now you see the details of it and you're like, yep, that is a, a human trade exception right there. So I, I think, you know, they're you can play. I, I think that's important too. It's like I, we, you and I talk, you mentioned Darius Miller's name a lot, but Darius Miller, I feel like we both knew is not a rotation player um, on any good team. Josh Hart is still a rotation player on a, on a, on a good team. And I think, um, you know, this is not, this is a trade, a human trade exception for a guy who can actually help you. I mean, not, not, not a huge asset or anything, but someone who can help you. And, and help other teams like contenders who are inevitably going to want to cut money and get under the tax, right? They can't sign and trade for, for Josh Hart because of hard cap reasons, but now they can trade for him in February and they don't have any long-term financial obligations to him if they don't want there to be, you know, and, and, you know, I'm looking at Utah, I'm looking at, um, I'm looking at the Clippers. I'm looking at some of these other teams that, that might have pieces that the Pelicans can pull away uh, when, when you want blood so back, don't you? Of course. <laughs> well, who else could I want? Um, but yeah, so I think with Josh Hart, uh, that's, that's definitely key. And, and, um, and you're right about him being playable. And the thing is like, it's structured in such a way that like, if, if something happens to him or if his play falls off a cliff or he gets injured, it doesn't matter. It doesn't really hurt the value of his contract because again, he's just an expired and then, and then he can be for however long you want him to be it's really a, an amazingly creative deal in my opinion. It is. Um, it was, it was fun to see all the details. And I feel like even the initial reporting, some people didn't really understand it, um, which, oh, yeah, of course you had it nailed, but um, it is, it's, it is super interesting and it's, it's, and you have to figure. So if you're Josh Hart, I, I mean, I don't know, like, I feel like, I, I mean, there are teams that still have the, the MLE left and I'm surprised that he didn't look like, I'm surprised he couldn't get anything more than, or, or, you know, I, I'm just very curious what the conversations were with Josh Hart's agent and Pelicans, Josh Hart's agent and other teams to make him come to this offer as the best thing for him. And maybe it's just because he, he knows he's, he's a trade ship and he's, he, and the Pelicans have like kind of hinted to him where they might send him like that. Maybe that, maybe there's, maybe that's true. Like maybe, maybe they kind of know already. All right. We're going to, we have some ideas on, you know, packaging you with, with, uh, with Sato and, or other, you know, and, and Josh Hart kind of knows not just that he might probably will be traded, but where he's going. Um, so, or at least, you know, possibilities of where he's going. And if not, he can get angry and record a podcast with JJ Reddick. <laughs> he has his own podcast. <laughs> um, cross, cross promotion, man. It's everything. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, I mean, I, I do find that hilarious with JJ talking about, Oh, my agents will never do business with, with, um, with David Griffin again. And then here they are getting raked over the fucking coals uh, with this deal. So good job, JJ. You nailed that one. Anyway, uh, with regards to, to Josh, uh, he did get compensated above, you know, several million dollars, I think like seven ish 
$7 million above his qualifying offer when, when the market was totally dried up. So he does get, you know, like getting 12 million and change is, is a good deal. Like, I think that was probably his market value. Uh, are you, are you surprised he didn't get something in longer term from another team that maybe had the ML, MLA sitting there and didn't, and thought he might be worth it? I think, you know, that the Pelicans probably scared them away. Like, Hey, you know, we're going to match if it's a MLB. Cause I think they would have. And so mm-hmm. one, one thing I was told by multiple people that, that the buddy healed stuff was real and, and they did discuss it. And I think ultimately the compensation probably didn't line up with regards to uh, with regards to the Kings being willing to come off of something I, again, I don't know if that's for sure what held it up, but there, I, I do know that there was discussions for both teams, and I do know that the Kings desperately wanted Josh Hart. And that's something that can still be on the table in February, right? But I, I think the Pelicans learned that outside of Buddy, there really weren't available players that teams were going to come off of at a reasonable price. And, and with regards to Buddy, uh, whatever whatever the situation may have been they probably weren't going to be fairly compensated enough and so the pelicans feel like hey with with this contract with josh hart we'll have more options available to us at the deadline including buddy so let's why not why not just wait a few months and figure out what's going on yeah well i mean the last time the kings were desperate for a pelicans player they end up with boogie so um if they want to if they want to play the waiting game here i'm all all for it (laughs) Maybe it's Harrison Barnes that you can pull this time. I mean, so with Josh Hart and, and Santa Ransky and, and a few others, you know, the Pelicans have the ability to match a lot of salary. And and I I don't mind the Pelicans opting for the flexibility over just locking themselves into Buddy at this moment. I, I, I did want Buddy. I thought he made an incredible amount of sense. I would not have been upset if they had gone ahead with that deal without any compensation uh, coming back to them. I would have been like, whatever, man, this guy fits. So, but I, I can't be angry at them for choosing to maintain flexibility. Yeah. So um, quite a question for you. And, and this came up, um, my, my buddies, we, uh, our Pelicans uh, group chat, um, mentioned, one of them mentioned the fact that we had, you know, have heart now and then trade exception um, had to, had to explain first that trade exception can't be combined. It's got it. You have to use a trade exception by itself. Um, but which begs the this begs the question of do you see a, a, uh, a possibility that the Pelicans try to move more quickly on using that exception in order to be able to aggregate whatever player they do get, or do you feel like they still wait and try to and and, and time it and try to wait maybe the trade deadline or like the very end, uh, you know, the last day that it's available next year uh, to to use it? You, any any thoughts around that? Uh, if I were them, I would just seek to extract maximum value from it. So if that means you know, I'm getting an impact player in February. Great. You know, I, I think there's a several players that fit into that exception that I, I would be happy for the Pelicans to pursue. If that means um, they're waiting until the end of the calendar year, or even at the beginning of the next year, because they do have a, they do have a day because uh, the trade was delayed to, to acquire a contract that, and, and you get a pick out of it. Um, I'm fine with that too. So I, I don't have any, I don't have any hard and fast rules as to like what they should do with that exception. I think it should be a purely value maximizing event. And, and, you know, they already have 15 roster spots filled. So they probably have to send like a minimum guy, you know, they probably have to send Didi. That's probably the guy that they they would have to send if you think about it um, to, to a team. And, and so I don't think there needs to be any rush with regards to like, Hey, let me go get, fill this rock, uh, you know, fill this trade exception with a player, unless there's a, a player that really makes sense and moves the needle. Gotcha. Yeah. Cause I mean, the, so the, the conversation was, was obviously this was one player for there's one player for, for what, which that makes sense. And it's, it's Dame. I mean, if, if you want to, if you want to try to match salary for Lillard without including Ingram um, it's, I mean, you can do it with um, Sadaransky and then uh, Sadaransky, Josh Hart. Hart. Um, and then, Jonas, because he's an expiring. So that's, a, that's what I said too. Yeah. And then, and then all the young guys. So Jackson, um, Kyra, Nikhil, uh, you would, you would, you would easily put Devonte in there because you know he makes money. So yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I, I think what that while Lillard can be um, a reason to maybe get some salary to make it easier to match. Ultimately, you're going to end up giving up a lot of your key players anyway 
and your young players. So I, I don't think salary matching is going to be an issue where I do think that that set that $17 million trade exception come in handy is taking on further salary from Portland um, and, and that access compensation in and of, of itself. So they have, they have a contract that they don't like that fits in there. Um, I didn't look at what Norman Powell makes, but I think he fits under 17 million because he, he signed a five-year deal. So I think he fits. I could be wrong. It was 590, right? Yeah. So maybe yeah, he does. should. Unless, so, well, I mean, unless it's declining, it probably he should. He should fit. I don't know. We'll have to see. Um, but because, yeah, because because 590 would be 18. Um, yeah, he fits. He's 15.5 this, our next. Oh, no, sorry. Yeah, he's 15.5 next season. 15.5. Okay, yeah. So he fits, right? Like Robert Covington would fit. A few, like whoever, whoever they need to move, you'd be like, okay, like, yeah, we'll, we'll happily take on salary. Likewise with, um, with Washington, if, if the Beal situation pans out, I look at us talking about all these, you know, probabilities, <laughs> but again, yeah. I would much rather use that space. If you're, if you're talking about star acquisition, use that to absorb unwanted salary from the team that you're trying to yeah. uh, acquire a star from. Yeah, it's good. That's a good point. I, I hadn't thought about that possibility, but. Yeah, that makes sense. So, um, with I think that's a that's a pretty good recap on on the free agency portion of it. They signed, you know, I think they signed or they signed all of their their rookies, and they signed um, TD and Billy Hernan Gomez. So I get I got to give one more shout out to for a guy that we haven't talked about yet. Um, I I don't know who Garrett Temple's agent is, but damn, like. I don't know how he got that second year guaranteed. Like I, I, I maybe I'm just too low on Temple. I, I, th- I just think at his age, he's not gonna like. There's no reason he should ever be like a, a rotation player. And the fact that you know, obviously he's got to get three years in a sign and trade, but the fact that he got a second guaranteed year it just blows me away. I um, mean, I, I guess uh, I, I don't know. It, it was it, it maybe it shouldn't blow me away, but it kind of does. And so t- hat, hats off to t- Care Temple's agent for that one. I, I think. It's hilarious because his total guaranteed money is like just slightly below Josh Hart's total guaranteed money. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) But it's one of those things. It's, hey, it's New Orleans, and and, and they are once again paying premium for fucking leadership. Uh, We'll see how that works out for them. Yeah. Um, I, I. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm just, I was just like, you can't even get a partial guarantee in year two. I mean, is it who else is getting? I mean, who else is paying him? Who is giving the second guarantee for five million dollars? I just don't see it. The the funny thing is that reminds me that is the Josh Hart deal is structured to to have been legal in a sign in trade. So clearly they were you know trying to come up with creative options for other players, but but yeah, so uh, that was just a separate side aside the sign and trade clearly did not work now on to sleeper sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players you probably already have a fantasy league on there i use it for mine it's a game-changing product unlike anything else in the industry and now you can make money on sleeper too by playing their new over under game it's super simple First, in any sport, choose two or more players that you like and pick the over or under. For example, number of points in basketball or hits in baseball. Then choose the amount of money you want to enter into the contest. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two times to over 20 times the money you put in. The main reason I'm excited about Over Under on Sleeper, it's the only app where I can join my buddy's contest and play together. It's got a built-in group chat where I can see and copy my friend's picks with the tap of a button. It's insanely fun to ride it out together. Stop what you're doing and download Sleeper now to play their new over-under game and have fun with your friends and most importantly, make some money. Make sure you use that promo code BLUEWIRE and Sleeper will match your deposit up to $100. Again, download Sleeper, then use promo code BLUEWIRE when you deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Yes, let's move on to Summer League in which the Pelicans... Went five and zero. Najee Marshall declared them the champions, uh, much like, much like a, a certain presidential fan base has declared them the winner. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, oh, Najee, you did oh, not deserve man. that. Oh man, you're off. <laughs> you're not. You did not deserve that. Um, but you know, you could you could you could think of it like the the Hillary stuff when they're like, oh, not my president, not my champions. Um, in any ways. <laughs> Uh, terrible joke. We're going to move on from that one. Uh, the Pelicans went 5-0. and They had, per Sam Vicini, the, 
best defensive rating in all of summer league since the 2012 Warriors. Um, I, I have made the Clay Thompson and Draymond Green comparisons for Trey Murphy and Herb Jones out of pure jest. I think people are getting angry at me as I, as I continue to make them. So I'm only going to make them more, Keep it going. but, but uh, Trey Murphy and Herb Jones were fantastic. Like I was, I was super impressed by, by both of them and, and, you know, some of the other Pelicans. So let's, let's talk about those guys. Let's, who would you like to talk about first? I mean, we got to start with the uh, Pelicans starting opening night, starting three, Trey Murphy. Yes, sir. So, so what did, what did you find impressive about his play? Um, so, I mean, the, the, the shooting is what jumped off the page most. And I think, I think, I, I think Sam hit it best. And basically like there, there's like a, a skill in like finding open spaces on the floor and, and, and be able to, to knock shots down. And, and I think that to be able to have that type of skill, this, to show it as a rookie, or not even as a rookie, in a summer, in summer league, um, I think speaks volumes about his kind of his, his offensive IQ and his really ability, his ability to add value quickly uh, for the Pelicans. And so, I mean, I'm, and he's, I mean, he showed defensive chops and that's like the one thing as a rookie that you, that that is slow. You, you there aren't very many rookies who make a positive impact uh, or are better than terrible even on the defensive end, just learning the NBA game. And so like, if he can hold his own there, I think there's no reason why he can't step in and be an immediate contributor, um, which is really exciting and probably just Pelicans are looking for with him. Yeah, absolutely. I think he has a pretty clear pathway, in my opinion, to becoming um, a rotation player and and maybe a starter this season. Because I think a lot of players uh, who struggle with the transition are players who have a lot of offensive creation responsibilities because they're not used to making the reads and uh, everything else required in the NBA players who have a lot of defensive responsibility, like big men, because it's really tough adjusting to the NBA schemes and all the responsibilities that take a long time to develop. But I think with Trey Murphy, his offensive role, particularly next to Zion and and BI and and Jonas Valanciunas is hit the open three, which is basically what Lonzo's role was for for large stretches of the offense so he's going to get a lot of open shots and all he has to do is take them and his jumper is beautiful it's a work of art there's good reason to believe that he's going to be a fairly decent shooter right off the bat in in the nba um and so i I see you're about to say something well, I, I mean, I saw a stat this morning that was basically listing Trey Murphy's three-point shooting stats dating back to literally his junior year of high school. And he's basically, it's like 40%, 40%, 40 like just all the way through. Like there's all the, all the positive signs you could possibly have from him about just being a, a knockdown shooter um, are, are there. And so I think that's, that, that's one of the most important skills to have is in today's NBA. And you've got a guy who you are, can feel very confident about, can, can knock down threes at a high clip, which is what this team desperately needs. Yeah. And so, and so I think that the offensive transition is a little bit simple for him because of, because of that, the role is not going to be fairly advanced. He's going to be expected to shoot. And then people close out to him, make a quick decision with the ball. I think Willie Green preaches this thing called 0.5 offense, which is, make make a dribble pass shoot decision within 0.5 seconds. And I thought Murphy showed a really good job, uh, showed a, showed a, a lot of promise in, in summer league. When it came to those, I thought he moved the ball extremely well. And I was pleasantly surprised by his passing chops. Uh, there was a moment um, against, I'm trying to remember which team it was. It wasn't the Warriors. It was the game before the Warriors. Was it the Cavs? I don't remember which team, but I think maybe it was OKC, whichever team it was. So one game he recorded seven actual assists. Another game he scored 22 points, had recorded like one assist or, or zero assists, but he threw like 11 amazing passes that should have been assists. They were, they were just open shots to three. So I'm excited for him to, to do that and work with, with Zion and, and BI. But defensively, it's funny because Willie Green – decided to coach the summer league team. So I think he already has a jump compared to pretty much anyone else outside of the summer leaguers coming into this uh, to training camp with regards to what Billy Green's terminology and systems going to be. So 
I feel like that's promising, right? Yeah, I think so. And, and I mean, I, I, I'm just very excited for, and man, even the rebounding, I think, so you mentioned him as a small ball five, which I thought was super interesting. Um, but I, I think, especially if you're trying to, to think about ways in which to play small and have Zion at the five or whoever you, or whoever at the five with, with Zion as kind of like your, your biggest dude in the lineup, um, then that's a, Certainly, you could certainly do worse than uh, Trey Murphy, and, and well, he's you got to you got to find the rebounding from somewhere. He's enormous, so he's basically John Collins' size as a wing. He's extremely good as a lateral mover, and in summer league, he showed this tenacity to go rebound the ball on both ends. You know, he came up with key offensive rebounds as well. He's really good at just changing shots by being big and raising his hands. And, and I think that's going to be important for anyone that's trying to play a small ball five next to, to Zion is to, to do those things, to, to terminate possessions by rebounds and to be big and, and you know, impact a lot of passing lanes and shots. So I was super impressed. I'm excited to see what he looks like in a few years when he, when he fills out even more. Um, this guy just might be huge. This guy might just be like this enormous wing. And I'm, I'm excited to see what that looks like. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's fair. I mean, that's, I mean, I think if there's any, I mean, was, was, I, I this might turn this into somebody else, but who is the grain of salt, obviously, because it's summer league, but who is the most important, like what showing was most important to you for the Pelicans um, in, in summer league? Or even before, even before summer league started, did you have a guy in mind? You're like, I, I would like to be able to see some good things from this dude more than like other players. Like, was it Murphy? Was it Najee? Who was it? Well, I, I think Murphy's the obvious choice. I was just completely blown away with what he was able to provide. Mm-hmm. Um, Najee was interesting to me because he had a lot more offensive freedom than he, he was going to have in the regular season. And so there was some good, there was some bad, right? So like there was, I think what really shined was his playmaking and boy, was he like willing to be creative. And then there was moments where I think he got too focused on putting the ball on the floor. And he had, it's, it's, I was making the Tyreek comp, but it was really like, you know, Tyreek would put his head down and just go to the rim or, or take a bad pull-up shot. And I think he had a lot of those moments um, as well. But defensively, I mean, I think everything was there. He was the, he recorded the second most defensive rebounds per game in, in all of summer league. And this dude's like a six, seven forward. So um, I'm, I'm excited for him to continue to be a part of the Pelicans rotation. I think, I think people who are expecting him to be out of the rotation are, are going to be in for a surprise. I just don't see how you, you don't put him in the rotation. Yeah. I mean, didn't, I think before, like at the end of last season, as we we're approaching the off season, we kind of said like Najee is what people want, like what you don't need Josh Hart. Josh Hart's not expendable because you have Najee. And I think, especially with the rebounds, like you, you, you hit on it. it, it he, he kind of does fill a lot of the, the role that you kind of, that you would want Hart to fill. Um, but he actually is a better defender um, and he, he can do more with the ball in his hands. And I think I, w, I mean, just, it would be really fun to see him kind of as a second unit Tyreek Evans. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with, yeah. you know, you know, with him between, I think, I mean, between him and Devante, assuming, assuming you, you bring Devante, you start Nikhil and bring Devante off the bench. Like that's a, that's a fun, um, you know, one-two punch right there off the bench, I think, in terms of creation. Yeah, I mean, they're going to stagger a lot of those units as well. So sure. I think, yeah. I think you know, playing those guys with Zion and then Jackson, right, you have unbelievable play finishers in those, in those people. It's going to be a lot of fun. And obviously Zion's going to have a lot, uh, the ball in his hand a lot of times. But I think the Pelicans bench units at the beginning of the year really struggled because they just could not find a way to generate offense. And it's finally they're like, all right, Zion, go do your thing. Um, where that worked, but there's going to be nights where that doesn't work, right? There's going to be teams that load up on him or whatever. He's not going to be able to get, um, maybe they pressure the ball and take it out of his hands. And so having guys like uh, Devante and Najee and then, you know, having Jackson as a play finisher is going to be key in, in, my, in my opinion. And also in, in Brandon Ingram lineups, those, those guys are going to help as well. So it doesn't put that sole responsibility on, on BI. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, what do you, what did you think about Kyra Lewis? I think a lot of people were disappointed. I, I, I thought he only had like one bad game. Um, and, and in that game, you know, he didn't, he didn't score well. I think he went like one for 10 or something like that. Uh, other than that, I thought he did a really good job of playing point guard and, and setting the floor and finding his teammates and playing defense and not 
playing um, out of control outside of that one game where I felt like he, he was trying to do, he was trying to do too much and not having a lot of success with it. Um, I think I thought he played within his role and, and really it was like Najee who was the bucket getter when, and, and Cairo was like, cool, I'm just going to set people up. Yeah. I mean, like, so I thought he was good defensively. I mean, the whole team was good defensively. I thought he was, he was good there. And I thought, um, yeah, I, I, I think when someone just kind of does, you know, what you expect of them and then like has one bad game, maybe people will cling to the bad, especially with how good Najee and, and Trey Murphy were. Um, it's easy to kind of look at Kyra and say um, maybe not, he didn't perform as well as the other guys there. Therefore he didn't play well, but yeah, I mean, I, I thought, I, I thought for the most part, he, he, he was, he was pretty solid. Um, I, you know, I, I think you maybe want to see a little bit more jump shooting wise, but, um, but yeah, I thought he was able to break down the defense pretty, pretty nicely and be a point when they needed it. And he was clearly willing to defer when, you know, when, when Najee had the ball. And so, um, yeah, I, I think, I think anyone who, who said he was having a, a, a rough summer league, maybe a little bit overblown. Um, there's another guy on the team who, who, who was much more disappointing to me, um, on the offensive end than, than Kyra, that's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I mean, I I didn't think DD was very good on the offensive end. Um, <laughs> I didn't even say his name. <laughs> <laughs> but with but with regards to Kyra, you know, it would have been cool to see him try to take over a game and, and have a summer league that like Emmanuel Quickly had or Peyton Pritchard had or Tyrese Maxey had. You know, some of those guys had really high scoring outputs. Um, I just don't know if that was the focus for him and that was what they wanted him to do and, and you could argue like okay well this is his time to shine he should go get that so I, I hear both sides of it I I do think that I wouldn't be surprised if he's squeezed out of the rotation to to start the year a little bit yeah. just because there are so many guards on the team and and if Devontae's coming off the bench I just don't see them sharing a lot of minutes together in a backcourt yeah uh, I'm with you and it's kind of and it makes makes last season even more of a bummer with freaking <laughs> Bledsoe just eating up minutes because I, I I'm with you. Like I, I, I do not see a clear path to Kyra getting minutes this year. Um, I mean, obviously it's new Orleans, so injuries happen, but, but yeah, I mean, he's a, he's the fifth guard right now. I think that's what, what he has to look like. Cause um, you know, between, between Graham Sadaransky and, and the keel, I mean, there's, and I, I, I mean, I guess, depends on how you view the starting five, right? I mean, that's the first thing is like, do you, is, is, is Brandon Ingram the two and then is Najee or, or Trey Murphy the three. And I think both of us kind of feel fairly strongly about that being the case. And if so, then suddenly, yeah, Kyra becomes a a squeeze unless you have a lot of three guard lineups. Yeah. The way I can see Kyra getting into it is if they start Devante and someone else, you know, Devante and Akil, for example. Right. And then you're like, okay, well, Kyra can play next to Sandoransky. Kyra can play next to, if Nikhil's coming off the bench, Kyra can play next to some of those guys. And maybe it's one of the wings that gets squeezed or Sandoransky gets squeezed. But I think the thing that we're really missing here is the Pelicans have a lot of lineup options, which they didn't have over the last two years, mm-hmm. right? The, the flexibility to play big, the flexibility to play small. Um, the I believe, you know, it is my genuine belief that the guard play has improved on this team. Um, it is my genuine belief the wing talent has gotten better on this team. It's yeah. my genuine belief that the center position is upgraded on this team. Yeah. So where, where I think is that the Pelicans may not have made moves that wowed a lot of people. I do think they quietly addressed important needs and excised poorly fitting players. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that the key to be able to play uh, to the flexibility is, is the, the wings. I, I mean, I think that's cause that's the linchpin for it all. Like that's uh, having Murphy and Najee and BI like that's, I think that you have three, like, you know, again, it's still very early for Trace. I'm not going to start his rookie year yet, but like in theory, that's three very capable wings who can play up and down and then that's and then that creates the the flexibility throughout the rest of the roster so yeah i mean that this team's been lacking wing depth for the basically its entire existence in new orleans so nice to see there might be a little more there where do you think is the greatest like point of of failure for uh like like a pressure point for for the pelican so like for example two years ago Derek favors went down and they had nothing 
right? Yeah. Um, last year, it was a little bit confusing uh, what the like the greatest like pressure point was. I just think it was like a poorly fit roster top to bottom. But do you feel like there's like a single, hey, like if this goes sideways, like Pelicans probably can't um, survive the the wave? I mean, so the answer is obvious, but it's always also like for, for a bunch of reasons. Like I think like it, it's easy to say Zion, but also I feel like him, the four is where the Pelicans are thinnest. And so like if, if Zion's not there, like, yeah, you can slide BI down and BI can play the four, but I feel like you're just, you're immediately getting very exposed um, if that happens. Um, and so like just beyond the fact that Zion is Zion, I feel like that's, that's the spot where they're like a little bit shaky to me. Do you not feel like comfortable putting Najee in that spot and, and be like, all right, well, we're, we're definitely not replacing Zion's scoring, but we're probably improving defensively and rebound, rebounding wise. Um, I mean, rebounding. I mean, I, I, I don't, it's not negligible, but I'd say it's only a slight increase. It's slight improvement in rebounding. And yeah, it's, it's, it's defense, but, but I don't know, like if I've got to pick a position, like it's not, I mean, it's probably, it's probably the, the four where I feel like we're, you know, that, that it's, it's hardest to replace. I mean, I, again, I guess that depends on what, what the hell is going on with Jackson Hayes too. But I mean, I well, think if you're, if you're Stan Van Gundy, you're putting Jackson at the four. Duh. <laughs> yeah. Fair. But I mean, I, I mean, clearly I, I think that they're the front court for this team is the, is the thinnest. And so, um, you know, how, how yeah. to address, like, I guess, you know, that's, that's where you, where things can break down quickly. No, I agree. I think, I think, I think the front court is the thinnest. So likewise, I think if Jonas goes down, you, you really don't want to rely on, on Billy and, and Jackson for too, too no. long, in my opinion. I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe Jackson's making the leap this year and he comes back, um, you know, he's comes back stronger than, than ever before and, and all of that. So maybe he's ready, you know, maybe, maybe he's just ready. He looked pretty good at the end of last year. Um, but I'm skeptical. Just like, I feel like, I, I feel just, like he's one of those dudes that needs summer league. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm bummed that obviously, obviously there's, there's a bunch of other stuff going on outside of basketball for him, but um, yeah, I, I feel like he's, he's more so than maybe some of the other guys who played summer league with the Pelicans. Like, I think, I think Jack's needs summer league more than like Kyra does, for example, and maybe I'm wrong with that, but I, uh, that's, that's, I feel, I feel fairly strongly in that about that. And, so I, I, I do worry that, you know, assuming everything's good with Jackson come back, um, you know, and, and be ready for opening night that he's not going to be you know, missing a beat by kind of being MIA this summer. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I just, you know, there isn't a single coach in the league that's going to trust Jackson Hayes to defend Jokic or Embiid or even Anthony Davis. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a little bit, a little bit tough out there. Uh, but you know, I'm glad, I'm glad they brought back Billy for that reason. And, and Billy also is really well liked by his teammates. The other, the other guy we didn't really talk much about is, is Herb Jones, who was just a menace defensively. I mean, he did everything defensively. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, he struggled a lot on the offensive end of the floor. Like he had, I forgot who tweeted it, but it was like, he has like a bunch of million dollar moves and like 10 cent finishes. And he just like, couldn't get anything going for the rim. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> but I mean, it was, it was true. Like, he, you know, he's like, wow, like this dude looks like Giannis part of the way and he gets to the rim and he turns into, you know, Thanasis. Um, <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> what a disaster, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so I'm, you know, I'm intrigued by his development. They gave him, they gave him a real deal, right? They didn't give him a two way. And two of those years are, are fully guaranteed, which is cool for him. And then there's a club option on, on that final year. I do think that he's probably going to spend a lot of time in the, in the G league, but you know, do you, do you feel like there's a pathway for him to become a, a contributor on this team and, and how much of that relies on him developing like literally anything on offense? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not this year. I mean, I think, I think, the it it was interesting to me that they invested in him so definitively. Like I, I think I liked what I saw from him defense then, like everyone else did. Um, but um, yeah, I, I don't I don't see any pathway to minutes this year. Um, and then I, I guess I guess we'll see. I, I mean, I think 
they, they clearly have a, a plan for him. Um, obviously, they wouldn't have drafted him if not. And, and the, the Pelicans are not clueless here and know that he needs to have some sort of offensive development to be able to be viable in the NBA. And so um, I'm curious what they'll be kind of focusing on with them. I mean, is there like a is there a place you would start with him offensively? And like, where do you think he's he can become like viable fat most quickly? Dude, I was just going to ask you that, like, if, you know, assuming he spends most of the year in the G League, like, what would you, what would be your development plan for him? And I think for me, it would be uh, a lot of on-ball reps. I think I need, I need to develop him as a ball handler and the ability to, because if he's going to be used as a big man, as a a center, basically, or or playing in small units, um, him being able to beat people off the dribble. Uh, him being able to run pick and rolls and run or inverted pick and rolls and push and transition, basically becoming something between Igadala and, and Draymond. And, and those guys were dangerous because of the reps that they have handling the ball. And, and the more reps you get, your passing vision also develops. And I think Trey's are uh, not Trey. Uh, Herb is already a good passer and, and can make really good reads. I mean, I think he made some really great reads in, in summer league. So uh, do that. And then, find whoever the equivalent of, of Fred Vincent is to work with you in the G league and then get used to making a lot of catch and shoot threes, but the work on the, on the ball handling, get stronger and, and, and just finishing at the rim, but being able to finish at the rim is going to be key for him. Yeah. I mean, I, I absolutely. I mean, like there's nothing, there's, there's almost nothing to like about his jump shooting or his, 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 his shooting stats in, at Alabama. So he's played, played four years. I, I'd say if there's is one thing, it's that he clearly got better as he went through college. I mean, he was first years of, of, uh, of college for him. He was, he shot 50% from the free throw line. I mean, that's terrible for like, for any like non, non, non big man. And so like he got, I mean, he, he upped it from to 60% his junior year, 70% his senior year. So it's clearly trending upwards. So like something's starting to click for him. Um, at least you'd hope. And he, he, I mean, on very low volume, he jumped to 35% from threes last year. So like, I think it shows he's a guy you can work with. Um, and so maybe the Pelicans are banking on that. And, and I don't think you could ever project him out to be like a, an above average shooter, but, um, but yeah, like work on, I, I think, I think you're right. As far as where to add value faster, it's, it's, you know, making sure he can be, he, he can have the ball in his hands and be a threat because like, honestly, his, his assist to turnover ratio was bad in college also. And so you've got to, you've got to be, you've got to do something with him on offense or else you're, He's not. He's not going to play ever in the league. Yeah, you can't. You can't be a, another version of Kendrick. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, like, you can if you exclusively play him like at center, right? You can't have him as a starter, but Derek Favors and and and, and everyone yeah. else. But you need, you know, if you're like, hey, this is my small ball five, then he doesn't need to be a prolific three-point shooter because he's going to be able to create stuff from the perimeter right and 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 that's the key like people may not guard him okay then he'll just go into a dribble handoff and spring open a shooter and or or fake one and then go attack you at the rim so the that that ability to me is important yeah i mean that are just corner three after corner three after corner three until you start making them (laughs) right of course that that too yeah, I, is there are there any other topics re, regarding to summer league and or uh, free agency that you'd like to discuss? Um, no, just that they are the champions. Um, this is like a running theme for New Orleans and, and having undefeated teams that don't don't get credit for what they deserve. Um, but we all know <laughs> we all know that the Pel- that summer league Pelicans of twenty twenty one are the summer league champions. Yep, always will be. Hang up the banner. Let's do a parade. <laughs> let's uh yeah <laughs> um i i did i did want to comment a little bit on, on on some cap stuff is the fact that the pelicans have really clean books heading into the zions um whenever zion's extension would would kick in right so when his rookie scale deal is done you have brandon ingram and, and Devontae graham and that's that's it and, and then rookie scale contracts like trey murphy um who who don't get in the way but with Devontae graham right he's, he's easy to move if you need to create cap space and Heaven forbid that they they have to actually live in a post-Zion world at that point. They've traded Zion. But if they do, they also have flexibility in that situation <laughs> as well. Uh, but I don't think they, you know, I don't think that's something that's going to happen. So knowing that Zion's going to get this enormous max contract, 
they have a lot of flexibility going forward, which can change next year. If, if Nikhil and Jackson have good years, I, I think it would be prudent to lock them into extensions rather than head into restricted free agency with those guys, um, especially if you can get something that's a little bit below market. Yeah, yeah, for, for sure. I think, especially, yeah, I, I think that would be a, a good move. I, I think that's maybe we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves on that one. Maybe more, I don't know. Um, we'll, we'll see. I mean, that would be a, a nice test, a nice testament to the front office and their drafting ability if we're in that position with Jackson and McKeel. So hopefully, hopefully it works out. Uh, absolutely. And so I, Look, they've opened up all this this flexibility. Flexibility does not win games, so they're they still will have to put on a good encore product. I feel like they improved. Uh, the national media clearly disagrees. Three people that were anonymously interviewed out of ten apparently thought that the Pelicans have had the worst offseason. There was a, a a scout, a literal scout, who said uh, he did not understand Jonas Valanciunas's fit at all. Which I'm like, really, dude? At, at all? Like, whatever. I mean, I know people like to be dramatic, but really? And and I understand he's not a shooter, but he fucking rebounds the ball and scores like a hoss. Um, and then the another a Western Conference executive said that they gave up. They don't understand the Devonte Graham deal at all. So I don't. With, with regards to what would be my question, you don't understand his contract value, or you don't understand the pick. But my pushback on, on, on that was basically like, you can't say the Pelicans had a disaster offseason. They're not going to be good enough for Zion next year. And then complain about them giving up a pick that's lottery protected. And it's going to turn into two seconds. That's just not, those are mutually exclusive things in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely are. But as we've learned, it does not stop people from complaining about things. And so people, people, people will bitch and that, but it, nothing we can do about it. But, yeah. but it's on the Pelicans to shut them up, right? So there's, you know, people will bitch, and then if the Pelicans suck, they'll be like, I told you so, right? And and then if the Pelicans are good, then we'll be like, I told you so. And such is a life cycle on Twitter. <laughs> and everywhere else, you two even do great in Greek. I have please. bookmarked and screenshot all of that stuff. <laughs> I, when the Pelicans win the championship next year, I will unload. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Anywho, I appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll be doing a Q&A podcast soon. Uh, keep an eye out for that as well. And we'll be doing more green rooms. So adios, amigos. everyone my name is colin kelly and i have one question for you do you love fantasy football and do you want to win in 2021 then be sure to check out rotoviz overtime and all the other rotoviz podcasts with new shows dropping every day on blue wire we've got you covered for all things fantasy football subscribe to rotoviz overtime today